welcome to the IMDb Journey podcast, where not only do we break down one film from the IMDb Top 250 list every single fortnight, but we also do a wide and exciting array of other things, including games, we talk about what else we've been watching, drafts, tournaments, etc, etc, etc. As usual, I'm joined by my usual, that's a lot of usuals, co-host Hendo. How are you going? Do you have another usual co-host? No, no I do not. But it's nice to have you here anyway. Well, thank you. It's nice to have you here too. How are you, my man? I am <laughs> I'm good, my man. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing well, mate. Nothing exciting this week. Yeah, I've had an extra- extraordinarily quiet week as well. But there was one major, major highlight for me and for you too, Endo. Absolutely. The, uh, the podcast has now got its first official sponsor. Yes, we do. And it is extraordinary. Extremely exciting, and we are over the moon with all of the support that Peninsula Cinemas are now giving us. Yes, Peninsula Cinemas is our local go-to cinema. We've been going there since, man, as long as I can remember. Yeah, as soon as I moved on the Peninsula, I remember that first summer I was going to the cinemas. Yep, I went and saw my first movie ever there, saw The Lion King. Oh, really? Yeah, way back in the day. Oh, wow, nah. See, I I moved to the Peninsula when I was 11, so I miss a childhood. No, I've seen it grow from its little three cinemas to... Many, many, many more, and then it's a fantastic cinema, and we're absolutely thrilled that they've wanted to come on board and help sponsor the podcast. Nah, for sure, and you know the support we're getting from them is extraordinary, and we're it's great to have a local business as well on side. Like it really does mean a lot to us personally, from our little humble beginnings in a closet to now actually having someone as great as Peninsula Cinemas who want to talk to us about film, who want us to come to film festivals that they run. Like They have so much going on at this cinema and we're just so proud to be a part of it now. Couldn't have said it better myself, mate. All right, Hendo. What have we got in store for today? Well, it is our third All the Horror episode and, of course, we've got a lot of horror to dish out here today. Starting off with our very first pod, V-Pod, V-Pod. That's right, a triple pod. Yeah, something different. It's weird uh, that I'm going to be not in the game for this one. You're never in the game, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Just take a step back, all right? How dare you? (laughs) No, we have three new podcasters coming on to battle it out with each other. We've got Rob from Movie Geek and Proud, Drew from the Real Feels podcast, and also Mike from the Mike, Mike and Oscar podcast all coming on to battle each other in a very horror-themed related trivia contest. Probably a good thing I uh, bowed out of this one then because my horror knowledge, as you all probably know, is (laughs) not my strong suit. Yeah, I'm right right there with you, mate. I'm happy to uh, play umpire for this one. Hmm. And then after all that, we're going to take a look at the responses to our question of the week, which is what is your favourite light-hearted buddy cop film? We didn't mention light-hearted last time. We just went with buddy cop. But after a little bit of conversation, we're like... You know, if we just do buddy cop, we're going to throw out, you know, the sevens and all that. Just the, the usual number ones we throw out there on all those lists. So let's let's keep it very lighthearted. So, yeah, we took those uh, super serious cop films off the list. Yeah, and I think that was a smart decision. But as we do with our question of the week, we'll find out who's going to win our latest competition when we do our top five, as well as look at the results of the first 10 matches of the best 2000s film tournament. And then after all that, we're going to be talking about what else we've been watching, which... Some people might know I've been doing the 31 Days of Horror, trying to smash out uh, all these horror films that I haven't seen. Now, there's a lot of uh, famous horror films that I've never seen because I'm not a big horror guy. So you're probably going to hear a lot of well-known horror films and maybe go to yourself, hmm, I can't believe you've never seen that one before. You have a lot of those sort of films though. Don't we all? No, nah, just just you. Just me? Pretty sure you say like at least three times an episode, I haven't seen it, I haven't seen it, oh, I haven't seen it. Neither of you. 
That's why I said everyone's got those. They're trying to single me out. All right, Dean, if you're ready to go, let's get into it. Give me the update. All right, Hendo, what's going on on the IMDb Top 250 list? First off, let's take a look at our Joker watch. Is it out yet? Yes, instantly. (laughs) (laughs) No, it has dropped one spot. Down to 10. I mean, that's great. That really is great how um, how much it's held. And that's with an extra 171,000 votes attached wow. to it. So it's going strong. It's going strong. Very popular. Other noticeable upswings here. We've got Aladdin has moved up from 248 to 246. Before Sunset from 240 to 238. And Parasite is continuing to move up from 73 to 71. Just recently saw that Parasite is now the biggest opener per theatre release now in America. It was released in three theatres in its opening weekend and made 376000 in three theatres for an average of $125,000 per theatre. Surely they should just release it properly. <laughs> They're about to, but this is what this is a foreign film. It gets a limited release. Three theatres, bang. Just makes that much money already. Huge. Absolutely. But let's take a look at some drops here. Ace in the Hole has gone down from 217 to 223. And I've just realised there are two films in the top 250 called Drisham. <laughs> They've both dropped down six spots recently. The first one, Drisham, which is actually called Visuals, has gone from 124 to 130. And the other Drisham, which is called The Sight, has dropped from 242 to 248. So hopefully that one disappears soon and we only get one Drisham in the list. And then eventually we get none. And that's pretty much it for your update for the top 250 list for this week. Fantastic job, as always, Hendo. All right, mate, it's time. It's time for Pod v Pod v Pod. Let's do it. Let's get ready to rumble! All right, Dean, it's time for a very special Pod v Pod v Pod. Super special. Definitely, it's the first first of its kind. Yeah, we haven't done anything like this before. I know. None of these are Pod v Pod v Pod v Pods. We're going Pod v Pod v Pod, (laughs) just to confuse everyone out there. Yeah. No, but this is, uh, once again, a horror-related episode, and we have three newbies coming on today to battle each other. We are not... Going to be answering questions here, considering no, the we... the pressure is all off yep. me, mainly. Mainly. normally you try and throw me under the No, mainly because stuff. I just know everything and you're sitting there sweating your ass <laughs> off. What was that? What was that? Yeah, it's easy when you have the answers in front of you, Hendo. <laughs> <laughs> no, as I said, three newbies here ready to take on a challenge. Let's go through them in alphabetical order of their podcast names. First off, we have from... Mike, Mike and Oscar. We have also Mike. How you going, mate? Hey, what's up, guys? Really appreciate you having me on. Not a problem. So uh, as I'll go through with everyone here, just give us a quick uh, synopsis of what you do on your podcast. So it's two guys named Mike, and we uh, cover Oscar movies. We are originally a three-man podcast, but we kicked Oscar the hell out. We were just going to talk about anything. But now we're forced to talk about Oscar movies because we already bought the copyrights. <laughs> <laughs> no, we cover movies year-round. Yeah, we, we, we love it, and we uh, we cover the hell out of award season for sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't think anyone works harder in our, our podcast little uh, community here than you guys. You guys have churned out so many episodes. It is unbelievable. We don't have lives. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys do tons of information. You're like... Every movie that I see coming out, you're bang, you're onto a, a review of it. So yeah, you guys do a heck of a good job over there. Oh, thank you, appreciate it. All right, second up here, we've got Rob from Movie Geek and Proud. How are you, mate? Welcome. Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today. Not a worry. Why don't you just give us a little taste of what your uh, podcast is about? So Movie Geek and Proud is basically two guys, myself and my co-host Sean, and we basically review our oddball taste in film, but we also promote to be proud of 
of your movie taste. So no matter how many people tell you how bad it is, if you like it, be proud of it and enjoy yourself just watching movies. So we basically just review our taste in film, but then we also throw curveballs by reviewing films that we've never seen before that pretty much the whole world has. So uh, we, we like to tackle new stuff that we should have watched 10, 12 maybe even 20 years ago. And um, we just chat about them just like we would any, you know, conversation after seeing a film. So we keep it very casual, some funny. Sometimes we'll do skits, but yeah, just mainly just geek out about movies. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I like your message there about everyone. everyone's opinion is their own and we all have our own taste. And a lot of people forget that, I think, in the uh, movie-watching community. It's, Absolutely. It's hard not liking a film that everyone loves and you get chastised and, frankly, bullied about it. Isn't it, Hendo? I think it's different between you and me because you're just a genuine <laughs> prick sometimes. <laughs> all right, yep, good to have you on, Rob. And last but certainly not least, we have Drew from Real Feels Podcast. How are you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. How are we? We're doing fantastic. Fantastic. Why don't you give us a little taste about your podcast? Yeah. So I'm uh, one third of a podcast trio called The Real Fills Podcast, where every other Wednesday we do a brand new movie of a different specific genre each and every single time. So we draw from a massive list of genres and assign a movie to them, talk about the movies up and down, the good, the bad, and try to probably laugh at every inappropriate moment that we can. <laughs> Fantastic. That's what we like to hear. That's, I like how you do that, where you, yeah, you pick different genres. It's good to balance it out, I guess, in terms of if you're not just going to stick to the same genre over and over. You get a bit of mixed variety week in, week out. Right. All right, guys, if you are ready, let's get into it. We have our first round here. Oh, I'll just explain we, what, for the general audience here. We've got three rounds here today, all horror-related uh, trivia. After two rounds, the person with the lowest score is going to be eliminated, and it'll be a one-on-one match in the final round, I guess. And after all we've done there, we're going to go into a lovely movie draft. So let's get into it. First round is our standard movie quiz. Pub quiz, asshole. So we've got 10 questions here. The first five are just going to be straight up question and answer with one point for each correct guess. All right, question one. Who was the first to play Frankenstein in the movies in 1931? All right, let's go around the room. Drew, what do you got? Boris Karloff. Mike, what about you? Yes, it's Boris Karloff, and I might have told everybody on the wrong thread in Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Might have done that. Rob, you? Uh, I also said Boris Karloff. And you are all correct. Very good. (laughs) Good job, guys. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) We couldn't have done it without you. (laughs) All right, here we go. Second question. All right. What horror film was the first film ever to earn the Academy Award for Best Makeup in 1981? Oh, oh, I got it. All right, here we go. Rob, what do you got? I said Silence of the Lambs, which is probably wrong. (laughs) Mike, what about you? Yeah, I said The Exorcist, but I think I'm wrong here, guys. Andrew? I know it's wrong. I just went with Raging Bull because I know that was the Academy Award. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, yes, uh, that awesome horror film, Raging Bull. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, De Niro. He's terrifying. (laughs) Uh, You're all incorrect. It was actually an American werewolf in London. Oh, Oh. duh. (laughs) Good makeup. All right, your next question here. Try and guess what horror movie this is based off this one-star review we found on IMDb. (laughs) Hmm. All the blood is white because they only had two colours to choose from. Everyone looks like they are wearing the same clothes because the whole thing is black and white. It's just impossible to take it seriously. I don't know why anyone would want to watch a movie that's set ages ago in the land of the old people, back when people were dumb. (laughs) 
Oh, I thought I had it until that last part. Can you repeat that, please? All of it? <laughs> Just like the second half, I guess. <laughs> I'll go the, the, the last long sentence here. Okay. I don't know why anyone would want to watch a movie that's set ages ago in the land of the old people back when people were dumb. Can I phone, to phone a friend who's also <laughs> Mike? <laughs> Uh, finally, sometimes uh, that, that works out uh, not to your benefit if you've got someone sitting next to you giving you wrong answers. Are you referring to me then? Of course. <laughs> All right. Let's see. Mike, what do you got? The oldest horror movie I could think of was Nosferatu, but I don't think that's right. Drew, what about you? I'm going to go with The Mummy. And Rob? I really don't know why I put this. I put Aliens because <laughs> that's the first thing that came <laughs> in my head with white blood. <laughs> Well, the cyborg's blood is white there. Yeah, yeah Ash, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> the second part just threw me off, but... Unfortunately, you are all wrong. It is actually Psycho. Oh, what? <laughs> the, they, they said the blood was white? <laughs> yes, don't take these guys too seriously. It is a one-star review. <laughs> it's a black and white film. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I imagine it would be a black and white film, but I just, yeah, my mind blanked. Huh. Yeah, but I think what Drew means is that wouldn't the blood be more black than I, white in the movie? That's what I right, was thinking. Because <laughs> I know it's dark. <laughs> just, just shows how smart some of these people throwing in their uh, one-star reviews on IMDb are. Lord. All right, here we go. One point each still, heading into the fourth question. All right, fourth question here. Barry Cox, Helen Shivers, Ray Bronson are all protagonists from which movie? Three protagonists in one movie or movie series? One movie. Oh. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rob, what are you going with? I picked... I know what you did last summer. Mike, what about you? Oh, I was lost here. I, 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 The number three stuck in my brain, and that's all I went with. So I went three from hell. Are those the three actors from three from hell? <laughs> this movie that I'm never going to see? <laughs> Drew, what about you? <laughs> so it was uh, I know what you did last summer with, uh, you know, Freddie Prince Jr. as Ray. Yes, you guys are correct. <laughs> it is I know what you did last summer. Very oh, impressive. Good job. Of you there. <laughs> Helen Shivers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I've seen that movie. I, I could not remember any of those names. I would never have gotten that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Four questions down. Drew and Rob, you guys are on two. Mike, you're on one. Here we go. Question five. How old was Jason Voorhees when he drowned in Camp Crystal Lake? Uh, mm. All right. Mike, what do you got? 14. Drew? 11. And Rob? I said nine years old. Well, one of you is right. The age was 11. Oh, well done, Drew. Well done. Good job. Good job. All right. Halfway through the round here, Drew's on 11. 11. <laughs> no, I'll take 11. <laughs> <laughs> Drew is on three, Rob is on two, and Mike is on one. But Ugh. that is the round with the smallest amount of points available, so it's still anyone's game here. All right, second half of the first round. We've got... Five different horror franchises, and you guys have to take a stab at which one was the highest grossing out of all of them. If you get the number one right, you get three points. Second is two, and the third highest, you get one point. All right, let's do it. First horror franchise, Scream. So we're picking which of the inside of the franchise grossed the most. Yeah, which one of those films made the most? Gotcha. Mike, you just got to pick the highest one. <laughs> Don't have to rank oh, them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Such an overachiever. <laughs> okay, everyone's in. Drew, what are you going with? So my first guess was going to be four, but I'm going to go with three. I don't know why. <laughs> All right, Rob? I picked Scream 2. And Mike? So if I get this question wrong, I'm going to be looking for a new podcast partner because Mike's going to disown me. 
I'm going to go with Scream 2. Okay. The, from three to one, it is actually Scream 3. Oh, Jesus. Uh, second highest grossing is Scream 2. Oh. Yeah, so Scream was the highest overall. The Mike Hendo and Oscar podcast, does that sound good <laughs> to you guys? <laughs> Damn it. I thought the... F- it was close, though. Scream, the original Scream made $103 million and Scream 2 made $101 million. Oh, I thought that first one was such an underground hit. And then people knew better and went to the second one. Uh, got close though. Uh, coincidentally, Scream Four made uh, thirty million, whereas Scream Three made ninety. So that was a massive drop off for Scream Four. Yeah. Oh. Mm. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After those points are tallied, there, Drew and Rob are on four, and Mike is on three. Uh, the next one is Child's Play. Well, there's like eight thousand of them. All right, Rob, what are you going with? I took a very, very wild guess, Bride of Chucky. Okay, Mike? I'm just going to say number one. It was a huge hit out of the box, I'm hoping. And Drew? I'm going to go with Child's Play uh, 2. All right, looking at the results here from 3 to 1, third spot is Child's Play from 2019. Hmm. Second is Bride of Chucky. And the number one is the original Child's Play. Nice. Yes. So, well done, Mike. You got that one. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe the hype of the original would roll over. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Points update here. Rob and Mike, you're on six now. Drew, you're still on four. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we go with the next horror franchise, and we're looking for the Saw franchise. Oh. There's so many of them. (laughs) And counting. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Mike, what are you going with? I'm going to go with Saw 3 because... I don't think that's the one with the teeth in the poster, so I'm going to go with that one because the teeth would have turned people away. <laughs> Drew, what about you? I'm probably going to go with my favorite, uh, Saw 2. And Rob? I also went with Saw 2. All right. The third highest was Saw 4. The second highest was the one with the teeth, Saw 3. So you were wrong there, Mike. Oh. <laughs> and the highest grossing was indeed Saw 2. Yes. Yes. So Saw 3 had the teeth in the poster. I was trying to pick against Saw 3, and I picked <laughs> Saw 3. <laughs> I knew it the minute you said it. I just didn't want to. I wanted to keep the hope alive until we heard the answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, looking at the points here, Drew is on 7, Mike is on 8, and Rob is on 9. Uh-oh. I quit now. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Cash out. Yeah. Go out on a high. <laughs> All right, looking at the next horror franchise, we have Friday the 13th. And I want to stipulate this is just including the original Friday the 13th franchise. It's not including Freddy vs. Jason or the reboot. Okay, so all the way to Jason X. Yes. Gotcha. All right, Rob, what are you going with? I went with Jason Goes to Hell. For some reason in my head, I just think people got real hyped up over that ending and they all saw the movie. Okay, Mike, what about you? I'm going to say part two. All right, Andrew. I'm going to go with the original. All right, let's have a look here. In third place, we have Friday the 13th, final chapter, grossing $32 million. Second place, we have Friday the 13th, part three, grossing $34 million. And the number one is Friday the 13th, the original, yes! grossing $39 oh, million. Wow. So well done, Drew. You got that one. Very nice, nice. Okay, and that puts Drew in the lead with 10 points to Rob's 9 and to Mike's 8. What a comeback. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final horror franchise. And it is, it's quite a doozy. It is 
the Resident Evil franchise. Oh, God. Oh, God. All of those code names sound the same. How can I tell them apart? All right, Drew, what'd you go with? Uh, the Resident Evil Apocalypse. Okay, Rob, what about you? Oh, me? Um, I went with Afterlife. Okay, and Mike? Yeah, I tried to go to the with the one that had the most zombies, so I think that's Apocalypse. Okay, well, in third place with 50 million is Extinction. Coming up next with 51 million is Apocalypse. And the highest grossing Resident Evil film with 60 million is Afterlife. Yes! Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Good job. All right, that is round one over. And let's take a look at the scores. In third place is Mike with 10 points. And it is a tie at the moment. Drew and Rob on 12. So tight, tight match here. This is so hard. <laughs> God, me and Drew with those ties. We tied last time, the last time we met. <laughs> we meet again. Yes. <laughs> the battle still continues. All right. Let's get into our second round. How many got killed and who killed them? All right. What we have here is the nine highest horror characters based off their kill counts. And we're going to go from nine to one here. And everyone's going to have a, a guess at how many kills they reckon these characters have made. And we'll go like Price is Right style. So someone will say a number and then the next person has the opportunity to say whatever number they want. They can ruin someone. They can you know, go a different route. We'll, we'll see how we go. So we can go like Price is Right and exactly. go one more. Go one more. Exactly. <laughs> one less. But, but, it's not, but it's not without going over. It's just whoever gets the closest on either side. Okay. And the person who gets the closest in each one will get three points. Second will get two and last will get one. And if you manage to get the number bang on, you get five points instead. And the only hint I'll give here is that because we're going from nine to one, each number will be higher than the last. Hardly a hint. <laughs> well, I don't, if, if you know, if the first one's two kills and then on the second one someone says, "Oh, they killed one person," no, I don't think you got the rules. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will start with number nine, and that is going to be Leatherface. Now, I'll start with Drew on this one. What number do you? How many kills do you reckon he had? I'm gonna say, and this is starting back in. 70, like 1974? Yes. Okay. Um, 32. All right, Rob, what are you going to go with? Um, I'll say about 40. I'll do an even 40. And Mike? Uh, 23. Okay, I need to to use my math skills here. Give me a sec. Okay, so the amount of kills is 31. Oh, God. (laughs) What a way. Oh, indeed. (laughs) (laughs) 32 is a great guess. <laughs> mm. All right. So, Drew, you were off by one. So, you get the three points there. And Rob and Mike, I'm just looking at this one more time. Yep. Okay. Nah, my numbers were wrong. So, Mike, you are eight points off. And Rob, you were nine. So, that is the results there. Okay. And just looking at the updated scores here, Drew, you're now on 15. Rob, you're on 13. And Mike, you're on 12. All right. Next up, we've got Pinhead. All right. We'll start with you, Rob, this time. God, I've only seen one of them. Um, <gasps> kill counts from the movies, not by his own hand. Higher than 32, I'll say 45. Mike? Oh, I'm so afraid to watch these movies. Too afraid. I read the script. I never watched the movies. I'll say 36 and I'll be a jerk here. Sorry. <laughs> Andrew. So with one of my favorite franchises, uh, I'm going to go. I'm going to go 45. Because I think that's I think that's getting out there. All right, and the total for this one was thirty-five. So again, what? we had someone guess only one off. Yeah, Mike, you're one off. So that was impressive once again. So killing it. 
Three points for you there. And uh, Drew and Rob, since you guys guessed the same, that was 10 points off. Uh, you guys get two points each for that. Very good. All right. And looking at the scores, Rob and Mike, you're on 15. And Drew, you're on 17. And that brings us to number seven, which is Chucky. Starting with you, Mike. 43. All right, Drew. 45. <laughs> hmm. I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob. Uh, I'll go in the middle and say 44. Ooh. <laughs> Playing hardball today, boys. <laughs> now now remember, you can be you can be over with this. So in the end, the, the kill count was 38. So Mike, you, you're the closest again. <laughs> you were five off there where Drew. Uh, Rob, sorry, you were six off and Drew you were seven. So <sighs> That's, that's the points there. You're getting close around those areas. I'm pretty impressed. I, I would have thrown out something like, oh, you know, 60. Why not? <laughs> this is by far my favorite game because I could be very wrong and still get points. <laughs> Love it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Scores update. Drew and Mike, you are both on 18. And Rob, you're on 17. All right. And next player is Freddy Krueger. Uh, and we're going to start with Drew. Gosh. Uh, 60. Okay, Rob. I'll go with 52. And Mike? Yeah, I got to go with uh, 51 here, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the actual total was 39. So what? only one up from Chucky. Damn. Yep. And because, you know, Mike, you, you went the lowest there. <laughs> you got it again. <laughs> yep, Mike, you were 12 off. Rob, you were 13. And Drew, you were 21 <laughs> off. So <laughs> Very ambitious. <laughs> Can't this just be like Family Feud? Just a like, good answer, good answer. <laughs> <laughs> now, in Freddy's Dead, all of the kids are gone from Springwood. So, I mean, wouldn't that count be a lot higher? <laughs> hey, do you want Do you want to give Drew the points then? <laughs> no, I know, right? No, these are on-screen kills. I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Drew and Rob, you guys are both on 19. And Mike, you're on 21. And that brings us to number five, which is Jigsaw. Starting with you, Rob. Well, technically, he didn't kill any. <laughs> it was all them. <laughs> That's but the trick. Let, let's go with uh, Jigsaw's tracks <laughs> there. There you go. All right. Um, <laughs> let's see. I am going to say 41. All right, Mike. Uh, 43 worked for me before. I'm going to go with that again. Andrew. I feel like it should be higher, so I'm going to go... 48. And the answer is you should have gone with your last guess there, Drew. It's 60. God dang it. Oh. Wow. But still you, still get, you still get the highest points. You were 12 off, whereas Mike was 17 and Rob was 19. Man, this is not my round. So we're all going to play hooky tomorrow and go uh, to the casino and play roulette now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very much game. <laughs> <laughs> all right, check up on the scores here. Rob, you're on 20. Drew, you're on 22. And Mike, you're on 23. So uh, always a constant lead change here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up, we have Hannibal Lecter. And that's going to be Mike. Higher than 60, huh? I my know. Goodness. My goodness. Hannibal getting busy. He's hungry. <laughs> uh, let's see. 65. All right, Drew. I'm not going to let my, my favorite number apparently now go to waste, so I'm just going to go 61. <laughs> Oh, how do you not say 69 after saying favorite number? <laughs> right. <laughs> set up. Because I'm an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob, what about you? I'll go 63. 
All right, and the number is... 98. So a bit of a jump there. Oh, yeah. God. He killed that many people? He did. Low ball and Hannibal here. Did he say that <laughs> and lie about it? I, I'm not too sure. I, I haven't seen Hannibal, and I haven't seen Manhunter either, so I don't know what the kill counts are from those. Have you seen Hannibal Rising, though? Oh, maybe that's where it's from. I haven't seen that either. I have seen Hannibal Rising. It has to be Hannibal I don't Rising. remember that many. It's a lot. I mean, does like Clarice you know, ask him how many people he kills, and he's like 94, and then he kills four more people right? in the four other movies? I'm guessing that's how it happened. I mean, if only I did my research on this one. <laughs> how is this possible? Is that is and that's that's just that's just the films. That's not like counting the Hannibal TV series. This is the number I got. This is this is the <laughs> ranking list that I found. Okay, no, no, I'm just I'm just trying to like trying to accumulate. Try to pick holes in his system. Here. <laughs> You're reading the dossier here. I don't know. God, Hannibal's a slasher <laughs> film, not a psychological thriller. Where were all those kills <laughs> in the right. series? <laughs> Uh, but Mike, you were the closest there. Uh, you, you were 33 off on that one. Rob, you were just behind. And Drew, you came in last there. All right. Score update here. Rob, you're on 22. Drew, you're on 23. And Mike, you're on 26. Oh, my God. And that brings us to our third highest killer. And that is the Invisible Man. Oh. Now, apparently, this is a guy who was around when uh, the old uh, Frankenstein, Dracula movies, mummy-style movies. Universal Monsters. Hmm. And we're going to go with Drew on this one. What do you got? Now it has to be higher than Lecter. <laughs> Just for uh, whatever, a shot in the dark, 120. <laughs> uh, Rob? Going for gold. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to do 130. Uh, and Mike? 119. Have to do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And it is 123. Yes! Oh. <laughs> I deserve that. I really deserve that. All right. Well done, Drew. You got that. Mike, you were just one off that. And Rob, you've got uh, seven points off that. So that is the scores for that one. All right. And the scores now is Rob, you're on 23. Drew, you're on 26. And Mike, you're on 28. With two questions left. Here we go. Michael Myers. All right, Rob, what are you going to go with? Michael Myers. Uh, He did. I'll go 130 again. It's probably higher. All right, Mike, what are you going with? Uh, we just did a Halloween rewatch last October, and I do not remember triple-digit kills. This is insane. Uh, I, I guess I'll say 135. I have no idea. And Drew? Uh, God, 132. Okay, so we had 130, 132, and 135 here. The answer is 133. Get out! <laughs> oh. <laughs> what is up with you guys? It's so ridiculous. And I, I swear, when Rob, you said 130, I'm like, hey, that's got it. That's totally got it. Yeah. Nah, you ended up in last again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how that happened. It's because I went first. <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Now, Drew, you did get that. You were one off. Mike, you were two off. And Rob, you were three off. Yeah. It's the closest you could be. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Looking at the scores with one question to go. Rob, you are on 24. Drew, you're on 29, and Mike, you're on 30. So, am I? Is there even a possibility for me to even make it to the no. next one? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm out now. You are, but you know, let's let's see how we go with the last one. The the number one highest horror character murderer is Jason Voorhees. Starting with you, Mike. I think I heard this on one of your episodes, or I I read it somewhere. It's like 325. 
Drew, what about you? That seems exceptionally high. I don't, I'm going to go with 150. And Rob? Right in the middle, 271. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, th- this this one is just all over the joint. What happened? <laughs> you've got you got Mike, who went just ridiculously over the top. And then you get Drew, who's one off. It's 151. Get Oh. <laughs> what? How are you doing this? I do not have a good brain for numbers. My God. I'm not a math person. <laughs> <laughs> ah, all right. That that was uh that was a good back and forth that entire time. There was no blowouts. It was really good. Looking at the results here, Rob, yes, unfortunately, you did end up with a lower score of twenty six, so you are out. But uh, great showing still. Like it was it was neck and neck all the way through it. Uh coming up, we've got Mike on 31 and Drew on 32. Wow. Shocking. Okay. It is time for the final round. It's the final One-on-one match. Here we go. So what we've got here is six questions. You guys have three questions each. I'll go back and forth. You guys can just pick a random number between one and six to find out which question it'll be. The first question you'll answer is worth two points. The second is worth Three points, and the final question is worth five points. And I've gone cross-eyed. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just keep telling you numbers. All right. And since, Mike, you are behind, I'll get you to go first. Tell me a number between one and six. Three. Okay. Here is your question. What is the only way to break the curse of Samara's tape in the ring? Ugh. Is it doing something in a mirror? No, it's not. Is it... Oh, they got to... Get her out of the well. No. <laughs> no. You have to make a copy of the tape and show it to someone else. Oh, right. Oh, I misunderstood that. What a surprise. I Her story that. must be told. <laughs> 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 All right, Drew, what do you got? Uh, sorry, no, hang on. Well, Mike, since you are still behind, you can take your next question here to see if you can take the lead. Oh, God. Uh, let's go with five. All right, this is another one-star film review. See if you can guess the movie based off the review. All right, here we go. I lost two hours of my life listening to a boy screaming and a woman losing her mind. She actually has a monster as a pet and she is feeding it worms. Seriously, the boy is very annoying for the whole movie and the woman, insane. All right, so it's only two hours, so it's not at chapter two. Oh. Just trying to think of any horror movie with a little kid screaming at his mother for two hours. Oh, God. This is wrong, and this is not even a horror movie, but I took it as such. I'm going to say Mercury Rising and that kid yelling at Bruce Willis. (laughs) I had nothing. There's no chance. Unfortunately not. The correct answer was actually the Babadook. Yep. All right. I saw that. Oh, right. The kid, the kid was annoying. I agreed with that. You're with not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie, but I agree with that reviewer. He's dead on. All right. You're still down, Mike, and you got one more chance here, and this is for your five points. So oh, put me out of my misery. <laughs> Drew's going to win on like a technicality. He doesn't even need to worry about the last round. He keeps going the all way. <laughs> Go on, Mike. What do you got? What number? Oh, God. It's like picking my torture device here. I'll go with one. Okay, here we go. How many... Oh, this is this is right up your alley here. How many Oscars did the Exorcist win? Holy 
should know this immediately, but I don't. Ooh, looks like you're really going to have to pack up the podcast, aren't you? <laughs> this is done. I screwed up a Scream question, a Halloween question, and now an Oscars question. My time on the radio is finished. I'm going to say four. <laughs> no, that is oh, Of course not. Of course not. How many? It was actually two. Oh, Drew, look at you, just sitting back and winning without having to do anything. (laughs) You're welcome, Drew. You're like the Luigi of the Pod V Pod V Pod. You just sit back and you just win. Now, Drew, be honest with me. Yes, sir. Did you know it it was Boris Karloff? Yes. You did? Yeah. So I didn't give you that one point that you were ahead and then allowed me to just take a naked walk of shame down, uh, you know, uh, King's Landing here. God. Uh, well done, Drew. Good showing there. <laughs> I try. <laughs> All right. But it's not over, of course. We still have our awesome movie draft to go. Now, the theme we've gone for is last time we did horror comedies. So this time we thought we'd go with just straight up horror films. Nothing funny about them. And Drew, since you won the uh, the Pod V Pod V Pod, you, got, you get to decide the order of who's going to draft. So I will go Rob first, then me, then Mike. Okay, so here we go with it. Rob, you're up first. What are you going to draft for the number one horror film? God, uh, okay, well, look, I'm using this platform to just say my taste and be done with it. There's no way I'm going to match anybody's taste out there for votes. But my first one is going to be my... Um, favorite scary movie of all time which still to this day is the scariest that i've ever been in a movie or watching and that's Candyman. Mm. wow fair enough okay drew what are you gonna go with mate so i'm gonna go with aliens the sequel mm. aliens plural yes okie doke mike you got two here what are you gonna go for so my favorite horror film of all time is The Shining. I'm, I'm in a majority out there. Room 237 is a great documentary. Have to pick that. And then I am trying to placate the other Michael involved with my venture. And I'm going to say Halloween. 1978's Halloween. Fair enough. All good choices there so far. We go back to you, Drew. What do you got? I'm going to go with the original Nightmare on, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Okie doke. All right, back to you, Rob. You've got two in a row here. What are you going to go for? Okay, so I am going to go with um, Night of the Living Dead. I'll say the black and white one. Okay, the original one there? Yes. Okay, and your third movie? Third movie, I am going with uh, Get Out. Hmm. Mm. All right. Excellent. Okay. Drew, back to you, mate. So going with a more recent uh zombie feature i'm gonna add a train to busan damn you drew oh nice oh nice <laughs> that was my next pick dean perked up then <laughs> good good pick. that was my very next one <laughs> all right mike back to you for two more again i'm trying to placate the other michael scream have to pick scream otherwise he'd disown me for sure and then i think the sixth sense i, I that's one of my all-time favorites i just oh. loved it scared the crap out of me yeah Dave, right there yeah, with yeah. you <laughs> Scariest cinema experience for me of all time. I was 11, but scared the shit out of me. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Drew, back to you for your fourth. So, I mean, it's not so much the fact that it is just like, there are funny aspects to it, but I love the fact that it pays homage to so many horror movies out there. I got to go Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Excellent. All right. 
Rob, back to you. You've got two picks here for your final draft. What do you All got? All right, so my final two, uh, based on what I've heard, uh, I'm going to do It Follows. Nice. Excellent. And your last pick. Jesus. God. Ooh, um, Insidious. Excellent. All right. Drew, your last pick. I'm going to go with probably one of the... I think un- most underrated horror movies that probably doesn't get a lot of attention that it probably deserves. And I'm going to go with The Descent. The Descent is amazing. Nice. I was torn. That's why I paused. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, Mike, what is going to be the final pick of this movie draft? Oh, I'm so mainstream here, but uh, I think I got to do it. Uh, I got to stick with John Carpenter. Did any anybody pick The Thing yet? No. Yeah, you did just then. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Awesome movie. You got it. Okay. That is our horror movie draft. Let's go through the teams here. Rob, you've got Candyman, Night of the Living Dead, Get Out, It Follows, and Insidious. Drew, you've gone with Aliens, Nightmare on Elm Street, Train to Busan, The Cabin in the Woods, and The Descent. And Mike, you've gone for The Shining, Halloween, Scream, The Sixth Sense, and The Thing. All right, this is, as always, a blind movie draft, so by the time this episode comes out, we'll already know the results. But a lot of, a lot of good uh, movies there, a lot of, uh, three really solid teams. I, I don't know who I'm going to choose yet. This is interesting. I get to choose this time. I'm not part of this draft. <laughs> I get to vote. <laughs> All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you very much, everyone, for coming on. Yeah. Definitely. Any chance to talk about horror, I'm there. Agreed. Absolutely. All right, let's go through these. Rob, where can we find you? All right, you can find us on Twitter, uh, MGNP Podcasts. We are also on Instagram under Movie Geek and Proud. Um, Our show is basically everywhere. SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean. You can find us anywhere out there. Uh, We are bi-weekly every other Wednesday. All right, Drew. Yeah, uh, just you can search on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, on Twitter, we are at Real Phil Pod or Real Phil's Pod. That's R E E L. And uh, same thing, you can catch us on any podcatcher out there. Just uh, take a look, and much like Movie Geek and Proud, we are also every other Wednesday. Just uh, give a listen. Fantastic, and Mike. So we're at M M and Oscar on Twitter. Otherwise, it's Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram and Facebook. We're everywhere. You can listen to podcasts uh, based in SoundCloud, but uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Like all the rest. Uh, we got the uh, Joker character study wrapping up tomorrow, and uh, we're gonna sink our teeth into award season pretty much the rest of the way. Thanks for having me on guys no all right not a problem we'll we're, we really want to have all three of you on for a separate like uh, pod v pod against us coming up so that'd be that'd be great awesome yeah, that'd be fun awesome fantastic all right thank you guys once again for a yep. great pod v pod v pod thanks so much everyone yep. and we'll see you soon see ya bye all right mate let's get into answer my question the question jerk where we asked you is what is your favorite light-hearted buddy cop film now let's take a look at some responses for any answers that weren't our number ones First one here on Twitter from Low Carb Monster 8, Lethal Weapon. Next up from Kate, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. That's a good film. Seen it? I saw it once, like it meant nothing to me at the time, but I have heard a bit about it. So, um, yeah, one I wouldn't mind revisiting, to be honest. Whatever this one, Scott Dean says, Tango and Cash, always. Haven't seen it. (laughs) What? (laughs) Come on, mate. Ian Willis says, Do detectives count? 
Laurel and Hardy, best and probably the first buddy cop movie, 1927. I don't think I've seen any Laurel and Hardy thing ever. Deep cut. How have you not seen Laurel and Hardy? Do not talk to me about what I have and haven't seen after your abysmal run already this in this very episode. Speaking of abysmal, Hendo, who we got next? I hope you're not implying that Hassan Kamara is abysmal. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> Maybe his choice. Rush hour, all day. All Maybe- day. It was the all day that threw me. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Jessica, dare I say Showtime with Robert De Niro and Eddie Murphy. Hashtag guilty pleasure. Hashtag not sorry. That's the only way to be. Have you seen Showtime? Yes. Yeah. What? I haven't seen Tango and Cash, but yeah, Showtime. Absolutely. It, was, it came out in that period when I was watching a lot. You were all about the De Niro. You'll watch De Niro trash. AKA Showtime. Showtime. <laughs> Ali Axoy says, Brandon Lee and Dolph Lundrum in 1991's awesome buddy cop film, Showdown in Little Tokyo. I haven't seen it. I have seen it. Saw it this year. Is Terrible. It? Oh, it's Terrible <laughs> film. What is going on? From Under the Thumb, Running Scared. So underrated. Just brilliant comedy and a hard edge story to boot. No, I haven't seen it. Yeah, me neither. Found out that's got Billy Crystal in it, though. Nice. Papaya Young Director's Contest says, Central Intelligence. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Very rare to have a buddy film that is also so remarkably positive and inspiring. Oh, silence, I say that shut you up. Sure. Next up from Jeffrey Care, Black Klansman. Cinematic Adventure says Zootopia. Crash Dude says 48 Hours. I haven't seen that in so very long. Good memories of it, though. Here's one from Daniel. Not my favourite genre, but The Other Guys was hilarious. That's got to be my number one. Papaya Film says, National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon. It's so good. Never even heard of it. Have you? No. Pretty sure it's got Emilio Estevez and Samuel L. Jackson in it. Okay, fair enough. Does that piqued your interest? Judging by your silence, I'll think no. <laughs> Here's one from Mackie. Miss Congeniality. Sandra Bullock fan, mate? No. Really? God, no. Not a big Sandra Bullock fan at all? Oh, I don't like her at all. Okay, then. Have we never said this? I remember you saying you didn't like Ocean's Eight, but I don't think you remember. I don't think uh, she annoys me. Really? Yeah. Okay. She's too. I'm not know. even going to try and suggest a word here. No, I'll know, just let like you finish this, too, this sentence. Too wholesome, like clean cut. Do you know what I mean? No. She's got this great image that irks me. And so I does Julia Roberts? I don't like her hair. Yeah, but Julia Roberts has great hair and <laughs> <laughs> great hair. Love the hair. That's the standout. <laughs> No, Julie Roberts is great. Um, next up from the 242nd, Who Framed Roger Rabbit? Ooh, that's a good film. Yeah, didn't grab me. What is wrong with you? Do you have anything positive to say so far? Uh, what about the next one coming up, Hendo? Hunter Guidry, 21 Jump Street. Now, that is a good film. That is a very good film. The Horror Club Podcast says Bad Boys. Love Bad Boys. Do ya? Bad Boys is one of those films I've watched at least 13, 14 times. Entertaining, fun. Shane Beauregard says Red Heat. Seen that one? The old Schwarzenegger, no. Jim Belushi. You're a big Jim Belushi fan, aren't you? Isn't everyone? No. I haven't seen it, though. Gregory O'Neill says The Heat. No, thanks. I don't know what that is. Oh, is that it the... It is. Oh, Melissa no. McCarthy. Oh, no. And Sandra Bullock. Oh, no. <laughs> That's right up your alley. <laughs> Ronnie Casol says Die Hard with a Vengeance. Good film. Eerie Tales from the Darkness podcast says Turner and Hooch. Oh, love Turner and Hooch. Who doesn't? And our last one on Twitter from Fred. The Nice Guys gets my pick. Love the nice guys. Good film. Looking at our patron here from our lovely, lovely patrons. From Mr. Dan Brennick, the nice guys. Brother Shane says Starsky and Hutch. Interesting. Hmm. Very interesting. Todd Phillips movie. Okay. 
Does he make a lot of good buddy cop films? Makes a lot of good films. The Rough House Podcast says, Last Action Hero. Good pick. Good pick. David Powell said, I changed my mind from Lethal Weapon 2 because I remembered how much I loved The Nice Guys. Lots of love for The Nice Guys. Yes, there is. Chris Beardsell says, The Other Guys. Not The Nice Guys. No, it's just The Other Guys, I said, Hendo. Maybe it was a typo. Maybe he meant to say The Nice Guys. And looking at our last one here from Hayden Gerloff, Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows. Thoughts? <laughs> I mean, at least it's the funniest pick we've had. <laughs> Non-ironically. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, everyone, for your responses. But, Dean, let's get to our top five light-hearted buddy cop films. As usual, we start with you. What is your number five? Oh, good arms. It's Kindergarten Cop. Not a Duma. It's not a Duma. Lots of quotes. It's awesome. Who is your daddy and what does he do? And, oh, what's your number five? My number five is Last Action Hero. Ah, my number four is Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz. No doubt we'll be seeing that on your list, Fendo. Yeah, at some point. My number four is 21 Jump Street. Nice. My number three is Zootopia. Ah, okay, Zootopia. My number three is The Men in Black. Mm. My number two, Last Action Hero. We usually have the same similar list every single time, don't we? And it's not changing here because my number two is Zootopia. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, seriously? So we've, we've got four crossovers, do we? Yep, as usual. The, we usually have three or four. That is ridiculous. My number one is Men in Black. That's a very good choice. Not as good as my choice, though. Here come the fuzz. It is hot fuzz. Of course it's hot fuzz. My number one, light-hearted buddy cop film. Do they have neuralizers, though, Hendo? They have cornettos. Do they have a Will Smith song that goes along with it? <laughs> I mean, it could have been the international market. Just walk with me. Just walk with me. <laughs> now slide. <laughs> yeah, how well did that go for them with uh, Wild Wild West? Uh, not as well. No, not, not, as, not as good. All right, let's take a look at our competition. And out of all the responses, we only had six people that chose either Hot Fuzz or Men in Black. All right, let's throw these names into a random name generator and see who we get. And this week's winner is Modes T over on Twitter. Well done for that. Looking at her choices, she actually mentioned Hot Fuzz and Men in Black. Really? Yeah. <laughs> so extra points there. Well done, Modes T. We'll get in contact with you and we'll send you out some sweet, sweet merch. Very good. And for next week's question of the week, considering we're doing The Shining, why not go with what is your favourite Stanley Kubrick film? Makes sense. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it is time to find out the results of the first 10 matches in our best 2000s film tournament. First match here, a really close one, but in the end, No Country for Old Men takes out Finding Nemo with a 54% victory. Yeah, good to see that result. Next up, we have Before Sunset, 82%, defeats Like Stars on Earth. 18%. Did you expect an 18% vote tally there for Like Stars on Earth? I don't even know what that film is. <laughs> you will eventually. Okay. Look at this for a blowout. That's Glo- more like it. Inglorious Bastards, 97% against Swatters with a little <laughs> 3%. Unlucky. Much the same vein, we have Howl's Moving Castle, 93% winner over Rang di Basanti, 7%. Here's another blowout, I guess. Didn't expect the blowout, though. Million Dollar Baby, 75% against Downfall, 25%. I mean, I, I would have expected that. Oh, I wish Downfall had a little bit more love. Yeah, like, I don't think, I don't agree that Million Dollar Baby is better than, or at least that much better than Downfall, but yeah. Oh, what? Look at this. Next one. We have My Father and My Son up against Mary and Max. Dead heat tie 50% apiece. That's our second ever tie we've had in these bracket tournaments. So the 
higher ranked film is going to go through and My Father and My Son is ranked 29 to Mary Max's 36. So My Father and My Son gets it. We might have to watch it now. Nope. Maybe next time. Unlikely. As is for another massive blowout. Wally, 96% against A Wednesday, 4%. Mm. Next up. Now, this this was one that surprised both of us. Yes. We have Snatch up against Monsters, Inc. And Monsters, Inc. wins 66%. Did not expect that at all. Wasn't even close. No. It uh, shows how much we have our finger on the pulse for Twitter <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> all right, the ninth match here. Secret in Their Eyes takes out Memories of Murder. 52%. Man, that is devastating. Close. And lastly here, we have Amelie. 68% defeats Amoris Peros. 32. Yep, that's your first 10 matches. Now, we have done our bracket, and we picked the same 10 films, so there's no changes for us in this first batch of films here. And we're not going to get to our next 10 matches here because we're going to do that in two weeks' time. We'll leave the poll for the movie draft this week, shall we, Dean? Sounds good. All right, and saying that, Dean, we forgot to mention that last week at the end of our best 1990s film tournament that I actually had won that bracket tournament, so I do have a movie to give you. And I'm just going to keep being in prick mode here. I'm going to give you the Netflix film, the Marlon Wayans classic, Sex Toplets. What the hell is that? Why don't you go look it up? It looks like a ball of fun. Is it a comedy? No. (laughs) Good. All right, Dean, it's time for our podcast promo shout-out, and it is from the Cinema Recall podcast hosted by The Vern, and they have a little special niche there where they, they don't review films over there. They go and talk about some iconic scenes in classic movies and break those scenes down, really discuss that. Yeah, that's good. I like scenes. <laughs> Do you like all scenes? No, I like excellent scenes, Hendo. Excellent scenes. Well, I'm sure they go through a wide variety of excellent scenes, average scenes, many different varieties of scenes. Yeah, no, definitely a different idea, which is always welcome. Yeah, so we'll play their promo now. Go ahead and check them out. And we'll be back on the other side with what else we've been watching. Hello, everybody. My name is Devern, and I'm the host of the Cinema Recall Podcast, part of That Moment In. We are slightly different than your average movie podcast in that we don't review a whole feature. Instead, myself and a guest will break down our favorite scenes in movies and then discuss why they are so iconic. So check us out. We are available on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and more. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Cinema Recall Podcast, and we are available on Twitter at Cinema underscore Recall. We hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Hey, listeners. We just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can follow us on Twitter at Twitter dot com slash imdb journey our facebook page at facebook.com slash imdb journey our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date i am at letterbox.com slash dino underscore j 88 really rolls off the tongue and you can find hendo at letterbox.com slash hendo exactly another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on itunes for us and like we've said if you screenshot your review and dm us on twitter or facebook we'll send you out some sweet merch or if you're really loving the content and are looking for more why not check out our patreon where we post another weekly show breaking down films not on a top 250 list yeah we've actually got over 50 episodes on there now we've gone through some notable directors filmographies such as wes anderson edgar wright and even quentin 
Quentin Tarantino. That's right. There's also tons of other benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put up on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can also shape the show the way you want it to be by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, we're in the middle of our 2008 Oscar series. We just finished off with The Curious Case of Benjamin Button and we're heading into Milk. Yes, we are. The white joy that is Harvey Milk. Yes, I haven't seen this one. Yeah, I haven't either. So it'll be good to uh, finally tick that one off my watch list. Yeah, we're the first time watch here. Let's see if this milk's gone spoiled or not. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Oh, I hope you bring more of that for the patron episode. <laughs> Who knows? We'll see what we do. Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash imdbjourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. The good. The bad. All right, before we get into what else we've been watching, just a quick heads up. We will not be spoiling the films we're going to mention, so if you haven't seen them, don't be afraid to keep listening because we won't ruin them. All right, friend, how many films have you seen this last fortnight? Ten. Ten's good. What about you, Ando? Eighteen. Most of them horror. Cool. So let's get into it. My number 18. It's one of the worst goddamn films I've ever seen in my life. Oh, come on. Paranormal Activity. No, I saw your review for this and... I, I don't understand it. It's not scary. It was boring. It was drivel. Found footage nonsense. Just boring, nothing conversations about, ooh, this spirit and the Ouija board. And it's just dog shit conversation for an hour and a half mixed in with one or two ridiculous jump scares. Not scary. Absolutely shit. It is half a star. How dare you? I would give it an extra star for the Mika! Mika! It was awesome. It almost lost that half star because of that. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on to my number 17, another found footage horror film, VHS. Heard about this one? I've heard of VHS. Yeah, just a basic... (laughs) 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 I just tune you out sometimes. I ask you a question and just like, whatever, move on. No, it's an anthology film about six different horror mini stories. Yes. Uh, The good for me with this film is... The first and the third horror film in the in the actual film, there were some standouts. There were some innovative ideas for little horror stories, and you know some parts were a bit chilling. The bad is, as is the problem with most anthology films, there's a lot of wasted time devoted to introducing these characters all the time in these random little stories. It, it's followed up by a lot of wasted time of them just walking around like a bunch of little mini Blair Witch films. A lot of this runtime is devoted to that, which makes it incredibly boring a lot of the time. So it's two stars for me. Fair enough. You're number 16? Yes. David Lynch's Eraserhead. Aha. No good? It's so bizarre, man. Do you wish you could erase it from your head? Stop it. <laughs> You're better than that. It's <gasps> no. no sour milk, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that took me a long time to think about that. Now, there is a clear symbolism on the hardship of early parenthood with some pretty good practical horror effects for back in 1977, I believe. I just feel like the rest of the film is just straight up what the fuck, like in in a bad way, just watching going, what the fuck am I watching? Is it black and white? Yes. It's just an absolute mind fuck. It's David Lynch. I mean, you expect that from him, but I was just watching it like, uh, I've, I have I'm no idea. Is it called a razor head because he has a funny shaped head? In more ways than one. There's, there's like definitely erases and a theme to heads as well. Like it's very on the nose, I'll tell you that. Which is on the head. Which is on the eraser. <laughs> yeah, so that gets two stars for me. 
All right, here's a review from the What Should We Watch podcast. A Razor Head is one of those movies that changes who you are on the inside, and I don't know if I like it. It's a bizarre tale that if you even look away for a second, you'll be hopelessly lost. I don't know how I feel about this film, but I guess that means it got the point across. And a little short one here from Julio at The Contrarians. I've never done drugs, but I imagine a bad trip is similar to watching a race ahead. It's a pretty good review, I'll tell you that. All right, my next horror film at number 15 is Sleepaway Camp. No good. I have heard about this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are some pretty inventive kills, which has some great practical effects when you look at it from 1983. really holds up still to this day. The bad about this film is it's generally pretty generic, except for like the last couple of minutes, but it still felt like the film just cut off. Like there should have been a bit more to an ending. It just ended and I was like, oh, is that it? I thought there was something more, but there wasn't. So it gets two and a half stars for me. Did you sleep your way through the ending? That was quite a campy joke. Nice. <laughs> We're a good team. I don't give it any <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's a review from the Pop Poor Review Podcast. Sleepaway Camp is a... I swear, he says it's a campy pun intended. I didn't read that. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> At least my puns are stupidly original. <laughs> no, Sleepaway Camp is a campy slasher film taking the best of 80s horror and mixing it into a fun 90 minutes of bloody goodness. That is until the end, when one of the biggest twists is revealed with a terrifying shot. All right, I want to talk about two films here at this point. I want to talk about the original Funny Games and the remake of Funny Games, both done by Michael Haneke. Can I just ask, are they both in the next two positions or not? No, one of them is. Okay. Let's talk about the original, the foreign film. I like its simplisticness in an intense way. It's got a great use of fourth wall breaking to uncomfortably put us in more of a real world setting than sort of a movie. I've heard about this film a lot, or these films a lot. It's about people that like break into someone's house. Yeah, yep. two young guys who break into the house and just like take them hostage, mentally torture them. Did hostage do it better? No, hostage is a piece of shit. I like hostage. Do you mean hostage or hostel? Host- both are good. Oh, they're I both pieces hostage. of shit. Sorry, they're both pieces Bruce of shit. Bruce Willis, come on. That's not a good sign. A day. <laughs> um, it does drag at certain points though, especially within the second act. It's three and a half stars for me though, purely on that intense, simplistic nature of it. Ooh, so the new one, no good. You're going to go in the fucking new one. Yeah, the remake. The remake is shot for shot remake. No changes except for the, obviously, the actors. What psycho did that? That's a good one. (laughs) I was going to try and think of something to abuse you about, but no, no, that was a good one. The 2007 Funny Games, directed by the same director. Naomi Watts, though. And Tim Roth. Tim Roth, really? Yes. I didn't know that. It still has that intense factor, mainly because it's the same film. But I probably shouldn't have watched these two films so close together. I watched them back to back. It just feels so inferior to the original foreign film in every single way. That's all I've got to say about it. That's a two and a half star film. All right, here's a review for the remake of Funny Games from The Ghost of the Stratosphere. Fucking funny games, man. The rewind moment destroyed the movie for me because there's no longer any stakes and it was so absurd and out of place. It could have been a decent horror, but that scene was shit. I'll I'll disagree with that because I think that shows that these guys are in control. They're in control the whole time. There's no ways about it. You are stuck. That was my interpretation of the film. All right, what are you up to now? I've lost count. 14? <laughs> no, 13? that was 14. 13. 13. His 1925's The Phantom of the Opera. I saw a Phantom of the Opera once. Was, there, was it the Gerard Butler recent one? No, 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 no. I think it was like 90s or late 80s. Okay, no, this is the original one. Lon Chaney gives a pretty solid performance as The Phantom of the Opera here, and the makeup is really, really good. But it is very overlong for a silent film. It's a silent film. I didn't realise. No, it's from 1925 when silent films were the rage. 
I feel like the non-Phantom characters got a bit uh, confusing. I couldn't keep up with who was who. And the th- Doesn't he have like a mask on? The, yeah, I caught up with the Phantom. Every other person <laughs> got mixed together. And I feel like the first third really bogged it down to begin with. So it does get a two and a half stars from me. Which brings me into my number 12, which is another black and white old school film, Dracula. The original 1931 version. Who plays Dracula? Bella Lugosi. Nice. And he is fantastic as Dracula. He is the he's the quintessential Dracula. He puts in a stunning performance. Fair enough. What dropped it for me is that there is there's no score. It is it is a silent talkie. And I felt like that contributed to the lack of tension in certain scenes. Plus I think the ending was quite lackluster in the end. Still, three stars from me. Alright, we're nearly we're nearly up to you, mate. Let's get to my number eleven. Another old school black and white monster film, The Bride of Frankenstein. This is a sequel to the original Frankenstein film. This does a good job at continuing to make Frankenstein's monster very sympathetic and more human. I think Boris Karloff plays the part of Frankenstein very, very well. Problem is, there's there's too much slapstick humor in this. Like, you really couldn't treat this as a horror. There's a lot of dumb stuff that happens in the film. And I think the title for this is a terrible title, The Bride of Frankenstein. It's so misleading. Is there no bride in it? Not enough. Not enough to warrant the word bride in the film. So you want more bride? Like Kill Bill levels of bride? That would have helped. (laughs) But still, three stars for me. Oh, okay. Fair enough. All right, mate. We're both at number 10 here now. Why don't you tell me what your number 10 is? Well, no surprises here. My number 10 is the shit that you gave me to watch. Escape Plan 3. (laughs) The Extraction. The Extraction. It, I mean, it's Dave Bautista, Sylvester Stallone. It tries so hard, the entire film, to create tension. But no, like, there's no way anyone watching this cares about these characters. So, Are they in it more often than the second one? Yes. Yes. Interesting. Definitely Stallone is in it more, which is a breath of fresh air, if ever there was one. One thing, I mean, the acting is embarrassing. Batista, I don't know how he's even an actor. He is so bad in this film. People go on about Dave Batista about, oh, he's an up-and-comer, he's so good. No, he's like, terrible. Where? Show me the proof. No, he's terrible. They're just like Marvel. But thank God it's not set in like a dark prison. Like number two, you could barely follow what was going on because it was just dark all the time. So it was definitely better than two. Still not as good as one. Well, number one has Arnold in it. One and a half stars, Hendo. It's kind of what I expected. All right, my number 10 is another black and white film, but it's from the 60s. It's Night of the Living Dead. And for me with this film, I think there's some really great direction from George A. Romero here. It's very claustrophobic and it has some really good effects for the time. A lot of these old school films that stand up have fantastic effects for the time they were done. In the 60s, this looks fantastic. The problem I have with this film is there is zero likable characters. I couldn't care about anyone in this film. They were just nothing. Their fates did not give a shit about, which really dragged it down to its three stars. Hmm. My number nine is another film that you, well, it's a film you recommended to me. Like like ironically or what? No, 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 you told me it was great. The second half was incredible. Oh, yeah. Bullshit. Her smell. And I'm so annoyed that you actually said this movie changed so hard and the second half was so good. Do you not think it changed? Well, not as much as you were saying. But it changed. Slightly. Slightly? Slightly. Slightly. No, I disagree with that. And I'm watching and I'm like, this is, this is like bad, right? It is, I mean... It's probably not as bad as I'm making out. It's it's just watching it is an experience. It's very frenetic. Elizabeth Moss is kind of amazing in it, which sounds like a very good review so far. Really like saves his film, but sounds like a recommend. It's it's like hard to watch because it's so you're like in the back of this rock 
star sort of drugged up environment. You're sounding like, you're cameras, sounding like exactly what I said last time. The cameras, oh, I, I have no idea what you said last time. The I said exactly what you just said so far. Quickly, and you see what you know, a piece of shit she is, and the band around her. It's all she's just so unlikable. Like it's a great performance, but she's such an unlikable character. I'm waiting for the butt. That the film could never recover. I don't care what the second half had because I didn't enjoy it. I didn't even think the second half was that good. I was waiting for some huge metamorphosis for this film that never came. How dare you? Two and a half stars. Your number nine, Hendo. My number nine is Abominable. Took the kids to see this at the cinema, courtesy of the awesome Peninsula Cinemas. Thank you very much. And this is good. This is a good film. There is some fantastic looking animation a lot of the time in this film. It's also... A very touching story. It's got a lot of cheesy laughs as well. I was actually sitting there having a good old laugh at this film. Might have helped that the kids were having a riot too, <laughs> but there were, it, it looked very, very good. But while the story is touching, it's also incredibly cliche and formulaic. There's nothing new with this one. It's just still an enjoyable film. It's just a very nice film. Three stars for me. All right, here's a review for Abominable by The Cinema Guys. Abominable was a pretty average story that we've mostly seen before. Overall, it was cute, and the kids really liked it, which is what really mattered. Completely agree. All right, mate, it's your eight. American Factory. Ah, yes. I saw that you put this up today, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I looked over at my letterbox diary. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot to put American Factory on there. Yeah, no, I watched this. I actually watched it in two parts because I stopped it to watch... I'll watch a better film, which we'll get to later. <laughs> yeah, so I was going to spoil, spoil your list. <laughs> um, so, yeah, American Factory. What did I think of American Factory? It's this nice documentary about, basically it's about the cultural clash between the Chinese and the Americans. And it is interesting because I don't see a lot of the Chinese and how they operate, especially from a business point of view. Yeah, I really did appreciate all of the like managerial techniques they were trying to implement. And at one point, it's funny that the Americans go to the Chinese sort of factory and they see how they do it. Yeah. And it's basically a military operation. They're so well drilled. And they try to replicate that in the American it's just factory. Nothing. And it's just cringy. It is yeah. so... And, like, you get it. Like, you can't expect Americans to behave the same way the Chinese do. And, not- and vice versa, to yeah, be honest. Exactly. Yeah, They're not brought up the same way. They have different beliefs and preferences. And You look at the safety regulations oh, of the, the Chinese. the safety stuff is crazy. Especially when the big director comes down and he sees, like, the fire alarm on the wall. He's like, take that down. It's like, uh, it's rules and regulations. Oh, well, can you move it down to the bottom? It's like, it- no, no. Even when one of the workers is like just sitting in a pile of broken glass with no gloves on, just sorting broken glass into <laughs> a bucket. And the, the Americans are just like, oh, this is so dangerous. <laughs> no, doesn't matter. But it was interesting. It was a little boring in parts. It's factory and, you know, cultural divide and all that. So it gets three stars from me. Very good. Well, my number eight is El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie. And you can hear our thoughts on that film on our bonus episode. Indeed. My number seven, courtesy of Peninsula Cinemas, I went and saw Downton Abbey. The movie. The movie. It doesn't say the movie for that one, does it? No. No, it does not. I take it you're a big Downton Abbey fan? Uh, I'm a fan. Okay. I'm not a big fan. I like, think I've seen a single second of it. Yeah, it's funny. This this is a show that I was always very against, a whole bunch of old people talking in their rich house. That's fine. It sounds pretty boring. But my old man actually watched it and said it was really good. So I checked it out with the missus and... Yeah, it's really, really good show. Really, really, really good show. Okay, and then you I'm get li- to the movie. I'm a little bit of a big fan. Um, but no, nah, the movie, 
what did I think of the movie? It's so, it's super nostalgic, right? Like I watch it, and even the opening music, they sort of. You say nostalgic? Has the has the show finished? Yes. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. I thought it was still going. No, no, no. show's finished. And hearing that music again was really good. The character... There's the thing. There's so many goddamn characters in this. <laughs> yeah. And my biggest issue with it is that everyone's so happy. There is so little tension and dramas and problems that need to be resolved. Everything is so nicely wrapped with a bow and everyone's so happy all the time. It's just like, eh. I need more drama from this. Like, this is a very dramatic show. It just sort of fizzled for me a bit. You need, like, a murder or something in there? A little murder mystery? Oh, that would have been good. Would have been very good. They could have got their knives out and seen who's, you know. Oh, that was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, I did like seeing everyone again. The music was great. And the cinematography, honestly, like, this stuff is gorgeous on a big screen. Yeah. So, three stars for me. All right, my number seven is The Lost Boys. Oh, yeah. I liked it. It was good. Yeah, had a decent blend of horror and comedy that actually worked really well together. It's probably a bit of fresh air from all the super old and slash super boring movies of horror you've watched. I didn't watch them in order from worst to first. Oh, this is one of the first ones I watched. (laughs) Okay. Maybe that's why. Maybe it was, yeah, like... Maybe you were fresh, like, yeah, yeah. horror, oh, this is fun. Yeah, Yeah. it just drops and drops. Um, Something wrong with it? Not really. There's nothing outstanding that's bad. It's just... Entertaining schlock. I just had fun time with it. It's three stars. Fair enough. My number six is Dear Zachary, a letter to a father from a son or something. It's ridiculous. Go well, on. Why is it ridiculous? It's so low. It's not so low. It's where it it's should quite be. Low. It's quite low. Dear Zachary, here's the problem with this. Oh, God. What now? I knew everything. That's what I thought. Okay. I knew literally everything. See, I didn't. And knowing everything, knowing where everything will go... It really like there's no tension at all. There's no mystery that I'm not watching this like oh, what's going to happen. And then when there's huge revelations, I'm not remotely shocked or taken aback. Like I know what's going to happen. There are some terrible. Oh, there's one a terrible, terrible person in this film. But you as an emotional person didn't oh, didn't that resonate with you? That's what I was expecting. I was expecting to get emotional about this. Like did not get close. Honestly, are you like dead inside? Man? I had very little connection to this. It's you a, feeling all right? It's an interesting premise. The whole the documentary maker is doing this as a gift to this son, dear Zachary. Obviously, mm. I did like that, and I felt I felt I enjoyed having the documentary maker's personality sort of put on the film a bit. I'm not. I wasn't crazy about the quick editing that he was doing with a lot of these interviews. It was. Very quick. I felt like I wasn't really getting to know the people being interviewed. And I know it's not about those people, but it did sort of get lost on me who all these people were because there's so many people talking. So for me, don't get me wrong, it's a very good film. It just it didn't hit me the way it hits most people. Three and a half stars. Ridiculous. All right, my number six is the original Funny Games. My number five, Hocus Pocus. You seen this? Uh, maybe when I was eight. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, no, first time watch for me. <laughs> it's fun. I can't believe you liked it so much. It's fun. Three and a half. I That's it was, high. It's lighthearted. It's entertaining. It's a very easy watch with the you whole family. Sarah Jessica Parker's in it, don't you? Yes, I do. Is Bette Midler in it? Yes. Oh, that's good. That would have saved on makeup at least. <laughs> oh, <Hey-oh>. shit. <laughs> I think there's a thing that's wrong with this film. There's a big song and dance number in the middle. Oh. Yeah, Bette Midler's up there doing a song. and nah, Really? Turn me off. Shocking. Yeah. <laughs> like, really? Move on. Let's get back to, you know, the fun parts. It was uh, three and a half. Good time. Fair enough. My number five, another documentary, one better than Dear Zachary, that is Blackfish. 
Nice. Yes, it was nice. Yeah, watched it and it's insane what you see with these killer whales and the way that these SeaWorld places and SeaWorld itself were reacting and operating in terms of just basic, you know, not even like workplace OH&S stuff, mm. occupational health and safety stuff, but more just on a humane level. Yeah. How are you letting all these people endanger themselves every single day and have no issue with it whatsoever? Now, I know the answer. The answer is money. Oh, it's all money. And I get that. But I don't know. It's interesting. Like, you got these killer whales who do terrible things and they're given names and you learn their history, you learn their family history, you learn, you know, what their childhood was like and then how they've sort of become what they are now. It's it's a ridiculously great, almost character study on this Tilikum. It's fantastic. Yeah. Like, I watched it and I was like, man, this is so entertaining, whilst at the same time being very sad. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Three and a half stars. Maybe maybe yeah, a lot yeah. of fun. Well, maybe maybe not the right uh, way to describe it, but it was affecting. Three story, and a half stars. It's a story about killer whales killing people. Had a good time. <laughs> All right, my number four is the movie you got me to watch, Murder in the First. Nice. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know what Murder in the First is about, it's a somewhat true story about an inmate who was left in solit- solitary for a, over a year uh, broke him down to when he committed a murder and it's a big courtroom drama about him against Alcatraz, basically. And it's good. There's some fine acting all around. I also like the added touch of more character realisation and development on top of just your standard courtroom trial. If I'm going to say something bad about it, no, nothing really bad about it. It's just a decent courtroom drama film. Couldn't highlight anything that's you know stood out for me. Three and a half. Good pick. Nice. You're welcome. I will enjoy watching... Marlon Wayans sex tuplets. Yeah, you will. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my number four, El Camino, which we've discussed. Go check that episode out. You can also check out this bonus episode on Joker, which is my number three. Nice. Probably higher than I expected for you. Yeah, well, you know, anyone... anyone... Shat all over it. No, I must say it was very refreshing to go and listen to some other of our awesome podcast friends and give their reviews. Paul, Wayne, Billy, Dover, love your work. Sam, love your work. What did you say to me that they were dead to you now? All of them. <laughs> oh, every single one of them. Except Sam. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my number three is Gloria Bell. Nice. Isn't it? This yeah. is a fucking good film. Isn't it? Uh, the standout, no surprises, is not just Julianne Moore, but her character is so real. Yep. Like, And it's, it's not just her, but you just believe so much about what these characters go through. And I was trying to think what made... This film have such real characters. And I think it's more the little things. Like, you see her driving, singing songs and stuff. You see her when she's really happy. You see her, you know, trying to pick up in a bar by herself. You see her good. You see her... I mean, yeah, you see her highs and lows. And Julia Moore, phenomenal in this. Loved her in this. But it's not just that. It's the dynamics between her and her new boyfriend, her ex-husband, her children, and all the way... There's a great scene with all of them together. The way they all interact, it's so real. Like, it, it doesn't feel like someone sat down at a desk and wrote this out. It really does this feel... This could be a real person in yeah, real life. it feels so natural. And I think the performances and the writing is so on point. I really got behind it. Four stars for me. Nice. Spot on. All right, that brings me to my number two, which is Christine. Oh, yeah. Shane will be happy. He fucking loves this film. This is a good film. Solid amount of time dedicated to character setup and interaction with a very well-displayed atmosphere, which makes some pretty effective chills. That's the difference between this and a lot of those other horror films. 
I got to know these characters very well. So anything that was happening to them, I actually cared about them, which is really what you want in a horror film. With all people getting killed there front and center, maybe give me some emotion about it as well. I guess the very, very final shot of this film, super cliche, really gave me a, really? Come on. Could have been better than that. But still, four stars. All right, mate, your number two. My number two is Ad Astra. Major, we have some highly classified information. What can you tell us about the Lima project? Its objective was to search for advanced extraterrestrial life. The ship disappeared approximately 16 years into the mission. And the commander was? He was my father, sir. This might come as quite a shock to you. Ah, Ad Astra. I haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah, I've I've heard a lot about Ad Astra, both good and bad. But for me, this film was just beautiful. Simply a stunning visual spectacle, the likes I haven't seen for a very, very long time. Like this space stuff, which I know there's been a lot of movies of late in space. For me, nothing compares compared to this in recent memory. Yeah. It's so good looking, this film. There was a lot of uh, Interstellar versus Ad Astra conversations. Yeah, and I need to watch Interstellar again. Um, I'll be looking forward to doing that for the breakdown, but... I don't know, like the themes of responsibility, individualism, family, they're so well developed here in what is essentially a fairly simple story at the heart of it. The running voiceover by Brad Pitt that runs through the whole film, I found quite gripping. And I know people have shat on this voiceover, but I really liked it. And despite the lack of emotion, like the deliberate and notable lack of emotion from Brad Pitt, it's really effective. Music, amazing. Yeah. Super haunting. I actually stayed back once the movie finished and listened like through the whole credits just for the music. Nice. Yeah, it was really good. Tommy Lee Jones is okay. Brad Pitt, though, sensational. Surely we get an Oscar nom for this film. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's your uh, Dean's Pick of the Week? Yeah, Dean's Pick of the Week. To show, it's just so restrained in this. Like, he, show, he has this such reserved personality to maintain composure whilst at the same time telling... Telling us, the audience, so much about what he is really feeling and going through. It's honestly nothing short of impressive. Loved it to bits. Four and a half stars. Nice. Definitely need to check that one out. All right. It's up to our number ones. Uh, it's no surprise what your number one is, Dean. Yes. Number one, Joker. Four and a half stars. Check out our bonus episode from last week. Endo, your number one. My number one is about time. Really? Yeah. Wow, I wouldn't have picked that. Man, this is just, it's such an incredibly feel-good romantic comedy that balances out both of these genres perfectly. The chemistry between Rachel McAdams and Domino Gleeson is fantastic. The story progresses naturally and is paced so well. I couldn't keep my eyes off this one. You know how there's films where you're watching and you're like, hey, you check your phone every once in a while? Yeah. Nah, didn't lift up my phone once throughout this. It's fantastic. And I'm pretty sure Bill Nye may just go down as greatest movie dad of all time. <laughs> he is fantastic. If I'm going to throw a negative, I guess the time travel rules sort of confused me right at the start. But after a couple of minutes, I'd forgotten about it completely because everything else is just so goddamn fantastic. This is a big four and a half stars yeah, for me. it's huge. I was getting close to five when I watched it recently. It's fucking incredible. Absolutely. Film. Yeah, nice. I didn't I didn't even see that you watched it. Yeah, because I didn't put it up. Nice. <laughs> and that's going to do it for this week. Thank you very much to Rob, Drew, and also Mike for coming on and doing a good battle. Yeah, thanks so much, guys. Well, uh, looking forward to see how the draft goes. Now, next week is our second horror theme breakdown. We're doing Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. 
Yes, we are. That's right. So thank you very much, listeners, for checking out the episode. And we'll see you next week for The Shining. Bye.